Hi, and welcome to The Booby Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And we are officially on Patreon. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> you can become a patron just by going to patreon.com forward slash the booby girls. And this week we are covering scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, and I have titled this, Don't Tell Me These Scary Stories in the Dark. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> That's fair. So there's actually three books in the series. Um, the first is titled Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. That came out in 1981. Then came More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Very um, unique name. <laughs> yes. That came out in 1984. And then the third installment was Scary Stories 3, More Tales to Chill Your Bones. And that was in 1991. All written by Alvin Schwartz and originally illustrated by Stephen Gamble. Um, but for the purposes of our podcast episode, we will be focusing on the first and the third books. Because... I'm the one that does. Well, no, you tried to warn me. You were like, are you sure that it's just the first book? And I was like, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be the first book. And then after I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So then I did some research and found out that it was one and three. So I had to do an emergency run to Barnes and Noble (laughs) curbside pickup. And they had one copy left. Thank God for Barnes and Noble. (laughs) So the movie came out in 2019. uh, So pretty recently. And funny story, I saw the trailer for this movie and I thought it was like, a legitimate like adult scary film. I was like, no way, I'm not seeing this. This yeah. looks terrifying. And then boyfriend Ray's daughter, and she's like, oh no, it's like a kid's, but it's like goosebumps. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, that looks awful. No, it's not. And come to find out, it's actually a you know kids type movie. Yeah, it's rated PG-13, adventure horror mystery. It's an hour and 48 minutes long. Uh, directed by Andre Orverdal. It's it's, I think it's European. Sure. <laughs> uh, and it was produced and screenwritten by um, Guillermo del Toro, oh. who's very famous. He um, he screen has screenwritten The Witches. Mm-hmm. He's doing scary stories to tell in the dark, too. Spoiler. There's going to be another one. Uh, all of the Hobbit movies, the Hellboys. And he's also produced uh, The Shape of Water, Book of Life, uh, Puss in Boots, and Kung Fu Panda 3. Puss in Boots, really? Yes, I love Puss in Boots. So he's very famous. Yes, clearly. (laughs) Um, So the IMDb synopsis reads, On Halloween 1968, Stella and her two friends meet a mysterious drifter, Ramon, and uncover a sinister notebook of stories. So some fun facts about the books. So as I mentioned, there are three books. The first book has 29 stories in it. The second has 28. And the third has 25. So Schwartz actually spent more than a year writing each book, which is fascinating considering the stories are super super short right (laughs) so i think it may have taken him some time to come up with them who knows but the books have been uh subject to a lot of criticism from parents in social groups because of the subject matter they think it's inappropriate for children Um, okay then just don't give it to your kid well yeah but and then some of the supporters have basically said like these books were intended for middle schoolers who we believe like could handle it. True. So like, don't give it to like your five or six year old, like, you know, right. give it to a teenager. <laughs> to celebrate the book's 30th anniversary in 2011, um, they re-released the books with new illustrations done by Brett Helquist. They were a little bit more kid friendly, l- less disturbing. Um, and the people that like the originals were super mad. They were like, why would you, you know, ruin the classics? So in 2017, they re-released it with, the same old. <laughs> I, well, when I was trying to find the third book, when yeah. I was trying to figure out where to go buy it, there's like 
I saw there was a bunch of different covers yeah. and I was like, I hope this is the right one. <laughs> I assume it is, but yeah, very different from the original. Yeah, very much so. Um, and then in 2019, they actually did a documentary about the book uh, titled Scary Stories. And it's basically, it explores the process of the book's creation, including the artwork and that sort of thing, um, the legacy, and then the controversy around it, like trying to ban it and stuff. Inter- so. I'd be interested to watch I it. I would too. Now, now having read the book and seen the movie, it'd be, it'd be cool to watch that. So the movie actually is doing pretty well. Well, um, Rotten Tomatoes, 78%, which for a scary horror movie is pretty high. Yeah, not bad. Um, the budget for the film was $25 million. It grossed about $69, $69 million in the U.S. and then grossed worldwide $104 million. So pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and I think, like I said before, there is going to be a second one. And, you know, they really were worried that the first one wasn't going to do very well. Mm-hmm. But luckily... It did. Yeah. So, uh, so like we mentioned before a little bit, uh, the main stories that are around this movie are from books one and three. While Stella was going through the books and the stories, there are several different stories, though, that are kind of mentioned throughout the book, like the cat's paw, the addict, and the windigo. So they do focus on some of the bigger aspects or the bigger storylines from some of those stories. There are little mm-hmm. bits and pieces from a bunch of the other ones, which... I feel like I need to go back and watch it because I it was having a hard time picking up on all of them. Yeah. But I thought it was fun trying to find the little Easter eggs from the books. Del Toro actually owns some of the original art that you were just talking about. He's been a huge fan of these books since he was a little kid. Or not a kid, but when he was growing up. Yeah. And so he's like a huge fan and that he actually has that original artwork in his, in his cool. house. Which I'm like can only imagine how expensive <laughs> those were. Very true. So again, uh, on the topic of the illustrations, uh, they did try to pull a lot of the inspiration for, or for the movie characters on those original drawings. And to achieve this, they didn't want to use a lot of CGI. They wanted to just use special effects. And one of the ones that they really pride themselves on are, is that awful woman from the dream with the one who basically looks like a giant big toe oh the blob <laughs> yeah i mean because she it really really did bring that her to life yeah, like she true. almost looks exactly like it from the book so they like pr- they really pride themselves that's in that funny. in that character i just love because there's one specific scene when she's like walking towards the kid and she has like almost like a smirk on her face yeah and she's like you're creepy but kind of cute i know i was like i still don't want to see you in my house no. <laughs> another character um which is very interesting that they ended up using some CGI on was the jangly man Mm -hmm. who actually is played by a real guy. He was a contortionist named Troy James and he appeared on America's got talent and a lot of the movements and everything. he was walking backwards, crawling upside down are actually his own movements. That's cool. Um, But they obviously had to CGI his face and everything. So, but just thinking that that was a real person doing all of that. Yeah. (laughs) Those contortionists, man, they, the way their bones Yeah, I just, I don't even know how they do that. (laughs) Uh, The house that was used for the Bellows house is actually a real mansion. uh, And it's it's in a small town in southern Ontario. So go Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another fun fact about the movie, uh, the musical theme that plays throughout the entire movie, I don't know if you caught this, is actually the Hearst song which is one of the stories from the book. So at one point they're actually singing the lyrics, but even like the back, you know, just the tone of the, of the song is played throughout the movie. So I thought they did a good job of like incorporating all these stories into the movie very slightly. Right. 
Um, then lastly, like I said, they are in pre-production, uh, for the second film. Uh, it, you know, was supposed to be coming out anywhere between 2000 or 2020 and 2021. Obviously it's probably going to be a little bit delayed. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough though, we're going to get into the cast. Um, the, the actors who play Stella, Ramon and Stella's dad are the only ones that are accredited right now of being in the second film. I was just going to ask if they're going to be in the second one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we do know, spoiler, some of these characters do <laughs> quote unquote get killed off in this movie, right. but it'll be interesting if they end up bringing them back and they are not, they just don't want to spoil that. I'm not sure, but interesting. That'd be, yeah. That'd be cool to know. So the cast of the movie, obviously a lot of young kids. I feel like they're if reading some of the reviews. They've gotten, they've gotten a little harshly criticized because I think of the it phenomenon of those kid actors, stranger things, mm-hmm. they're being compared. To sure. But I almost feel like all of these kids could be, you know, intermixed, you, 100%. interchangeable. And they're all kind <laughs> of, you know, great in their own yeah. ways. But unfortunately this is one that came out last. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like these kids are getting a little, I only recognized one of the kids. I mean, we'll go through the list, but all the other ones I was like, I've never seen you before, which makes sense. I mean, yeah, kid which, actors. Yeah. Which is what they've kind of done with stranger things. Yeah. And if they brought these kids in who no one knows, and now they're super famous, right? Now they're <laughs> growing up and you know, we're watching yeah. them <laughs> no longer be kids. Right. Uh, so Stella, Stella is one of the main characters of the movie. She really is the main character, uh, which is one of the things that going through some of the facts of the movie, uh, people didn't expect it to be a female to be the main character mm. of this, of this movie. But I'm Why? like, because she's not a badass. Sure. I guess I'm, <laughs> they're just like in, cause in these like kid type movies, it's always a young boy coming That's of true. age. So the girls kind of are, well, you know, we're in 2019, 2020 now. We can exactly. <laughs> Uh, but she's played by Zoe Margaret Coletti. Uh, she's in Fear the Walking Dead, and she was in Annie in 2014 with Jamie Foxx. She wasn't Annie. She was one of the other mm-hmm. <laughs> characters. Uh, but I thought she was really cute. I thought she did a good job. She played, like, the book nerd. Yeah. You know? It's hard because there's no reference to the book. Like, there's no Stella character, obviously, in right. the book. So it's hard to kind of compare and contrast. But for the sake of the movie, I thought she did a good job. Yeah. They have actually only kept... Uh, I believe Tommy is the closest name that they've kept from the books who in the story Harold is mm-hmm. the kid's name is Thomas. Thomas. So, it's a man, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Ramon, who is one of the kids that are, that's in the movie. He kind of is an outsider who's come into the group is played by uh, Michael Garza. He was in the hunger games, mocking Jay part one as Eddie. Uh, so, but I thought he was, he was cute. Yeah. He was good. I liked it. I was cheering for him the whole time. <laughs> yeah. He gave me some good, like, you know, serious acting yeah. when it called for it. <laughs> uh, so Augie, another kid in the movie, uh, is played by Gabriel Rush. Uh, he basically just looks like a young Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, or he looks like uh, the kid who plays Ian in Shameless. Like a younger yes, version Yes, that I can see, yeah. <laughs> but I loved his character. I thought he played like this like nerdy uptight kids perfectly. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> and he had like some really hard things to act through, I think. So we'll yeah. get into that, but I thought he did a great job. <laughs> uh, so Chuck is played by Austin Zagur, I guess. Um, he's another kid in the, in the main group. Uh, he was in the movie Fist Fight with Charlie Day and Ice Cube. Um, 
Yeah, he's a cute kid. I really <laughs> like the the names that they gave these kids. I really Chuck and Augie. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Tommy Milner, who is basically like the bully of the movie, is played by Austin Abrams. And we know him from This Is Us. Yes. He plays Mark Kate's um, dirtbag boyfriend. He's also in Euphoria. He's in Euphoria as yeah. Ethan. He was in Walking Dead. And he's in the new movie uh, Chemical Hearts with Lily Reinhardt. Yeah. So... He's the only one I recognize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, um, his character very much reminded him of the character he plays in This, this Is Us. Is, yeah. Um, he's got this like really like dirtbag mentality and I haven't seen Chemical Hearts yet, but I think his character is kind of different mm-hmm. in that movie. So I'm interested to see how, how he is in that one. I really like his character in Euphoria. It is mm-hmm. a, more of like a nice kid, like sweet. Yeah. So I prefer him in that role. Yeah. But he does play the, the a-hole very well. Yeah. Like he's, he, I feel like he's a kind of an old soul type mm-hmm. character. Um, which he plays perfectly. Yeah. So, <laughs> and unfortunately, I don't think he's coming back in the second one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last character uh, to mention is Ray, who's Stella's dad, is played by Dean Norris, and we know him from Walking Dead as Hank. He was also in Fist Fight. You mean and- Breaking Bad? Yeah, sorry. In Breaking Bad. What did I say? Walking Dead. Oh, Walking Dead, because everyone else is in Walking Dead. Um, but yeah, famously from being Hank in Breaking Bad. Yes. Uh, he was in the movie Fist Fight, which, you know, some of the other characters were in. And he is credited to being in the second movie. So we I shall love see him. him again. I love him a lot. He's in a lot of good stuff. And obviously, Hank as in Breaking Bad is one of the best characters by far. <laughs> he It usually doesn't end well for him in any character he plays, though. <laughs> So well, it didn't end too badly in this one. He was pretty sad. He's a sad uh, guy. True. <laughs> All right. So it's time for our game rounds. Who said it's going to be a little different this I time? I was wondering how you were going to do it. I'm basically just going to give you one line and you're going to have to guess which story it came from. Okay. Don't worry about having to get the title perfectly right. Just guess whatever story okay. you think I thought right. you were going to give me some quotes from the movie for once. This no. was your chance. No. See, I have to stick to the books. You do the movies. I do the books. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first one is, oh, I wish I had some company that was from the title's weird in this one because it's the jangly man story yeah but the title of the story is different the story the title of the story is what do you come for yeah, yeah. very strange <laughs> uh second one is it looks nice and plump mm, that's from the toe yes <laughs> the one. big toe the big toe <laughs> uh next one is let's throw him in the fire Ooh. Is that from Harold? Yes. Wow. Good. You're doing well. Well, I mean, there's like five sentences. I know, but still. <laughs> Last one is, it hurts and it's ugly. Ooh. Oh, is that the red spot? Yes. Yeah, I have a couple of those <laughs> right now. <laughs> Do they hurt and are they ugly? Uh, I mean, this one right here, kind of. I think it's my mask knee coming out mm. a little bit. You know, it happens. Quarantine issues. <laughs> now, time for F. Mary Kill. Which, again, interested how you're going to do this one. This was hard. Again, none of these kids are age appropriate, so we went with the older people. Um, so we've got Police Chief Turner, who was essentially the town's head police okay. guy. We've got Roy Nichols, who plays Stella's dad. Mm-hmm. And then Louise Baptiste, Lulu. <laughs> Who's that? She's the um, African-American woman that they go to because she was the... Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I will marry Ray. Mm-hmm. Not because it's boyfriend Ray's Roy, name. Roy. You mean? Roy. Roy. Ray. Whatever. But he... Uh, because he's lonely. He needs someone to marry him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I will go in the dark with the police chief. Go in the dark. And then I will kill Lulu because she kind of creeped me out a little okay. bit. I will... Also go in the dark with the police chief. Um, I'm going to have to kill Roy. That's he's, really mean. He's a little too sad for me. 
too he's sad because he doesn't have anyone but like to he marry literally him. just like lays around all day like goes to work and then comes and lays around like i'm i'm not about that um and then i will marry lulu because she seems like she had like a real she had a really full life with it a sounds lot like of she like she had some really big issues that you're now gonna have to deal with <laughs> Not if I come in on the early end and then, you know, we have a good life together. It's fine. I'll sit with sad Roy. (laughs) So obviously, you know, going into this, the the stories are the backbone of the movie, but it doesn't obviously follow along. But I again, I loved how they did it, actually. So we'll go along the timeline of the movie and then uh, we will talk about the stories and how they are kind of how they are in the book and then how they portray them in the movie. The movie starts off in Mill Valley. Uh, 1968, which was funny because I was watching this with my mom and she pointed to this. And I was like, wait, what, what year did this say? And I was, she's like, oh, I think it said 1968, but Tommy Milner has a 68 patch on his arm, which would mean he would be graduating in 68. So it's Halloween. So it must be 1967 at the time. <laughs> and I was wow. like, I don't know how you caught on to that, but it's supposed to be 1968. <laughs> wow. Mama Cress with the detective work there. I know, right? <laughs> but then we see Stella, Augie, and Chuck, and they're getting some TP together. It's Halloween night. They're going to go out and, you know, TP some you know, houses, because that's what kids did back then. I mean, I did it when I was a, when I was a teenager. Of course you did. Did you ever TP a house? No. Did you ever get TP'd? No, I don't think so. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's like a rite of passage. Um, I slid by just, you know, not being noticed, and I was fine with that. And I got TP'd. <laughs> uh, but the funny part of this whole scene is that their parents made their Halloween costumes, which I thought were so funny because growing up, my mom made probably from kindergarten to, I want to say maybe middle school. My mom made our costumes. Yeah. Like I was a giant dice one year. I was oh, an M&M. Cool. I was April from Ninja Turtles like four years in a row. <laughs> Uh, but yes, that was I me. I, I was like a witch four years and then I was a princess another four years. I really just was, I, fun fact, I'm not a big Halloween fan. Mm. Um, so I did the bare minimum just so I could go <laughs> trick or treat and get my candy and go home. <laughs> so but I love it because they, uh, one of the kids dresses up as he wanted to be Spider-Man mm-hmm. and then his mom made him Spider-Man. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that part. Uh, but then we get to see Harold and... So this is actually why it threw me off because Harold in the new version is on the cover of the very first Mm -hmm. book. The Harold story is in the third book. Oh, true. People need to get it together because they're confusing me with all these books. (laughs) I didn't even (laughs) catch that until you just said that. Uh, So Harold is the scarecrow that lives in the cornfields outside of the Milner. So we get the first, you know, inclination that Harold's going to be in this movie is going to be a big part of it. And then uh, we see, we get to see that, you know, Tommy is the, you know, the bully of mm-hmm. the neighborhood and come to find out that like Stella, Augie and Chuck are kind of like his targets all the time. So they're trying to get back at him on Halloween and they fill a trick or treat bag up with poop. Uh, and then they start egging the car <laughs> and it's so funny because I just, I feel like that's just kids. <laughs> totally. Never in a million years would I have thought to like, I, I love the scene where his, uh, Chuck's sister walks in on him scooping the poop out oh, of yeah. the Oh yeah. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's commitment right there. Yeah. Actually, I didn't mention her character, uh, just for the sake of time, but I thought she was like the perfect, like eighties character. Totally. Like, she's just very like 
that's what every 80s character looked like yeah. was was the sister in that. Uh, but they go, uh, you know, they start running after, you know, Chuck and Augie and Stella. Uh, and they go into the woods and then they get to the drive-in. And that's where they run into Ramon because Ramon is sitting at the drive-in by himself. Oh, sad. <laughs> I know. It's very sad. So, but basically Ramon kind of gets Tommy to go away. Um, and then he's kind of brought into the group, mm-hmm. which seems to be kind of a theme with these like movies of these kids. Like there's always the one outsider that they bring in <laughs> uh, and usually it doesn't fare well for them, but Ramon did okay this time. <laughs> uh, but then they start telling, uh, you know, Ramon that there's this haunted house, you know, in their town. So they, of course it's Halloween. So they want to go out there. So they drive to the haunted house and they start telling the story about how um, kids go missing. And so they boarded it up. And then we find out about the Bellows family that used to live there. They were the found, one of the founding families and that they had a daughter named Strange Sarah. And she went missing, you know, a long time ago as well. No one knew what happened to her. Her family took the pictures, you know, her picture from all of their family mm-hmm. pictures out. Uh, and then come to find out that she had hung herself and she killed herself. But as the story goes, you can still hear Sarah's voice in in the uh, in the walls. So and creepy. She's telling kids these scary stories. And then when you hear Sarah, these kids start to go missing. Uh, so this not totally is what happens in one of the stories. There is a story we'll get to later about the haunted house yeah. in general. Uh, but I thought this was just a great thing to start with to kind of get you into the mood of this town and how these kids live it's the epitome of that scary story feel like the kids walking into the haunted house that they shouldn't be at like going into things that they have no business going into would you ever go into a haunted house (laughs) not one that's not regulated by you know a company that does haunted houses no (laughs) you wouldn't just go into an abandoned house absolutely not i barely go into regular haunted houses (laughs) would you go for like a million dollars uh, if you could guarantee that I would not die, then yes. Can't, you can't <laughs> guarantee that at any point then in life. No. <laughs> uh, so the kids are now at the, haunt, you know, they're at the haunted house and, you know, they start saying, if you go there after dark, um, you will hear Sarah telling these scary stories, but they'll be the last stories you ever hear. Do, 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 do. And then they find a secret passage because there's a secret passage in Obviously. every haunted house. <laughs> While Stella and Ramon are looking at through this secret passage area, Chuck and Augie are upstairs, you know, kind of just going through the house. And Chuck ends up hiding in the closet because he's trying to scare Augie. But we finally get the first story starting to come al- come mm-hmm. to life and that's called the dream and he's in the closet and when he opens it he sees a fully put together room that used to be empty and he sees a woman you know sitting there in the bed so this story is from the book uh it kind of starts off here and then it kind of comes back around towards the end of the movie so we'll get more into that story later so while they're upstairs stella is downstairs and they actually find sarah's old room that is where the secret passage leads to and it comes to find out that her 
it looks like her family like stuck her in this room. Yeah, it's like a dungeon at the, in the bottom of their house, which is really scary. Very <laughs> creepy. And they find a book of her old scary stories. And of course, because Tommy's a dirtbag, he shows up to the, the haunted house as well and shuts them into this room. Mm-hmm. So the kids start freaking out. They don't know what they're going to do. And then Ruth, Chuck, is it Chuck's sister? Yes. Uh, is, is there with Tommy because they're supposedly on a date or something and she tries to, you know, get him to stop and open the door. And so he opens the door and then he pushes Ruth in, (laughs) which I was like, yeah, I saw that coming, Ruth. Like, come on, (laughs) don't be so dumb. (laughs) So Ruth gets pushed into this really like creepy spider web. And that's really the start of her story Mm -hmm. that she gets involved with, which we'll get into a little bit later. But then at this point. I don't know which kid says it, but they're like, Sarah Bellows, tell me a story. And I'm like, let's not say that. <laughs> like, that's like the last thing you should be saying. Right. I think Stella's the one that says it. And like, it's basically like calling Bloody Mary three times or yes. Beetlejuice. Like, all right, anything that happens now is your own fault, kid. Right. Sorry. Uh, but a big shadow kind of comes in after she says that and opens the door for them. And then it's like, okay, I don't know who just did that. And, but they're like, we got to get out of here. Right. <laughs> like we're leaving. So they go out, they come to find out that Tommy has now trashed Ramon's car. Um, and that he's going to go stay with Stella for the night. Cause he has nowhere to go. Cause he was living in, in his car. Oh, yeah. So now they're back at Stella's house and Stella pulls out Sarah's book and she starts flipping through the titles. All of a sudden, while she's doing this, a story starts to be written mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Ghost Rider is happening. Yeah. And it is the story of Harold. And Tommy is the main character in this story. Mm-hmm. So Harold is one of the stories from the third book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll have Roche kind of tell you how it's portrayed in the book. And then we'll talk about how it plays out in the movie. Yeah. So the book or the book version of the story, um, also titled Harold, is basically about these two farmers named Thomas and Alfred um, who decide that they need a, basically a scarecrow to keep the animals away or the birds away from their crops. Um, so they decide to make a doll of the size of a man to put out in their garden. So the they first name- scarecrow <laughs> is born. Um, so they name him Harold because he's the name of a farmer that they actually hate. Um, so they make him, they start, you know, joking around with him. They start teasing him and eventually they start like really, you know, like hitting him, punching him, just being super rude to him. So eventually one of these nights that they do this, Harold grunts and they're like, did you hear that? Like, what was that? And they're like, oh, it's probably nothing. Like he's made out of straw. It can't be anything. So, you know, they're like, okay, as, as long as, you know, we'll leave him when we go down with the cows, like, don't worry about it. Um, so he, he grunts some more. They, they don't really think anything of it. They think maybe some insects have gotten into Harold and that's what's making all of the noises. Um, the next day, Harold wakes up out of nowhere and gets onto the roof of their little hut and basically walks back and forth on the roof all day. And they're like, this is a scarecrow. Like, why is this thing alive? Basically. (laughs) Anyway, they decide that today's the best day as any to kind of take the cows down and and forget about it. Um, Well, while they're walking down, they realize they forgot their milking stools, which I'm like, Leave the freaking milking stools. You don't need them. But apparently they're <laughs> I just expensive. They're like, okay, we're just going to go. Yeah. <laughs> you stay there. <laughs> they they go. They decide, you know, they need to go back for their milking stools. So they draw straws, ironically enough, to see who who has to walk back. Thomas ends up picking the, the short, short end of straw. the stick. Yeah, short straw. So as he's walking back, um, Alfred, you know, decides to walk on and 
keep going. Um, at one point, Alfred looks back and doesn't see Thomas, but does see Harold on the roof of the hut. Um, and as he's looking at him, Harold kneels and is um, stretched out, uh, and he has stretched out the bloody body of, or but the bloody skin of Thomas's to dry in the sun. Sufficient. Yes. And that's how the story ends in the book. <laughs> so in the movie, Tommy's come home now from terrorizing the neighborhood mm-hmm. on Halloween. And his mom wants him to go deliver eggs to the neighbors, like right then. <laughs> so he's going through the cornfield, which I was like, can you just take the main road, right. Tommy? Uh, but he gets lost in the corn and he keeps seeing Harold. Harold's kind of like his spot where he knows he is. And so he's wandering and then Harold pops back up. And he pops back up and I'm like, oh, this is the corn maze from from every nightmare. <laughs> right, right. That's why I hate corn mazes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then finally he gets back to an empty stick, basically, mm-hmm. where Harold was. So now he knows Harold is gone. Yep. So Harold <laughs> is now alive. And, you know, you talked about, you know, how they were hitting him and all the stuff mm-hmm. in the story. That actually happens at the very beginning of the movie. You see them hitting him with a baseball bat. Right. And so we know that these kids have tortured poor Harold. He's just trying to do his job. (laughs) And, you know, then Harold is after Tommy. He's running, he's running after him in the, in the corn maze. And he ends up puncturing Tommy through the stomach with one of those like big hay fork things. Uh, And then Tommy starts choking with a bunch of straw coming out his throat. It was gory. That was scary. It like made me choke. Uh, And then come to find out, Tommy actually turns into a scarecrow. uh, Which they end up finding a little bit later because he's dressed in He's dressed in his Letterman jacket with right. this with the sixty eight on it because that's when he was supposed to graduate, not nineteen sixty four. So, uh, you know, the whole entire you know everyone's looking for him, and Stella and Ramon end up going to the cornfield to see to see the scarecrow, and they end up because they have read this mm-hmm. through the story because it was being written yeah. at Stella's house, so they know where to look for Tommy. Uh, so it happens a little bit differently in the movie. Uh, still a scary scarecrow yeah. after people. Uh, but you know what? I can't blame Harold. <laughs> something, mean. something to note about these uh, stories as they're being written. Stella goes to kind of smudge the the, the ink, ink um, and realizes it's coming off and realizes, oh, wow, it's actually blood. Yeah. So another little creepy tidbit, but... Um, yeah, and it's fresh and... That's it's, gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Stella tries to take the book back after this because she's like, I shouldn't have taken this book. Mm. Things are you now... You think? Yeah, things are starting to happen now for real and people are getting hurt. So, you know, she's trying to take the book back. Obviously, it it doesn't work. (laughs) The book ends up (laughs) popping back up. Uh, And then we do get a scene of Ruth, um, Chuck's sister, is now in the mirror and her story again is starting. She's she has a big red spot on her face, and we all know what's coming if you've read the story. And I'm like, <laughs> ugh. Uh, but we'll come back to that a little later. Uh, but Stella has the book back now, and it's starting to write another story. That was so creepy because Ramon's like flipping through the book, and she's like, "Where did you get that?" And he's yeah. like, "It was sitting on your desk." And she's like, "No, no, I returned that." So the book has magically reappeared in her room, which is really freaking scary. <laughs> I know, which is like a nightmare yes. in itself. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so the book starts writing another story and this one is titled the big toe and it mentions Augie. So the big toe in the book is also titled the big toe, which is the first story, isn't it? I think in, in book one, it's the first story. Uh, it's close to it. Let me look. Be. You might be right. <laughs> Gotta reference it. 
Yeah, right here. Oh, yeah. Look Number at that. one. <laughs> All right. So the big toe in the book is basically um, a boy was digging in the garden and he finds a big toe. Um, he tries to yank it out, but it's stuck to something. So he gives it a hard jerk and it eventually comes off. He takes it inside and his mom says, it looks nice and plump. Um, let's throw it into the soup, which I'm like, gross. Why would you ever do that? But Times are tough, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, so his father carves the toe into three pieces and they each have a piece. Um, in the middle of the night, the boy wakes up to the sound um, from outside saying, where is my toe? I feel like you should be holding a flashlight <laughs> under your mouth and we should turn the lights off when you're telling these. No, thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, inch by inch, the, the voice starts getting closer and closer until it's um, right outside of his, his bedroom door. At this point, he's kind of covered himself with his covers and is like freaking out. But this this voice keeps saying, where is my toe? Where is my toe? And in the book, um, at the end, when he, when the, the figure is right over the body of the boy, and the last time it says, where is my toe? The, bo- the book tells you <laughs> to jump at the person next to you and shout, you've got it. You've got my toe. <laughs> Which I loved. I was like, I love that it gives you instructions on what to do. Yeah, it makes me feel like I should be reading these like around a campfire. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and then also there's an alternate ending that they also decided to put in the book. Um, basically, when the boy hears the voice, he finds a strange creature up the up inside of his chimney. He asks a bunch of questions. Basically, what do you what you got such big eyes for? The the, the figure says to look you through and through what you got such big claws for to scratch up your grave what you got such a big mouth for to swallow you whole what you got such sharp teeth for to chomp to chomp your bones and when you say to chomp your bones you're supposed to pounce on one of your friends <laughs> please don't pounce on me. i would never <laughs> also never do this to me <laughs> and that's how it happens in the book so in the movie like i said this story is surrounded uh, about Augie. So Augie's at home and he opens the fridge because he's by himself and there's a stew just waiting for him in the refrigerator. And I'm like, gross. Yeah. I know where this is going. <laughs> like, this is disgusting. And so we see that there's a corpse looking for her toe and it's a female zombie. And all of a sudden then it goes back to Augie and at the same time, there's a walkie-talkie that, you know, these kids are talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And Stella's on the phone and is like, don't, like, Augie, don't eat the stew. Don't, and I'm like, Augie, don't eat the <laughs> stew. Like, if someone calls me and says, don't eat the stew, I'm not eating the stew. Right. He's like, mm, but it's so tasty. But it's so tasty <laughs> as he's literally putting a giant big toe in his mouth. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it was so gross yeah. <laughs> like so he you know unlike in the in the story they talk about how they purposely ate the toe right he did not purposely eat this toe no but he kept eating it for some reason <laughs> yeah just disgusting and so but we're starting to hear someone asking you know who took my toe and augie's like freaking out and i'm like just get out of the house right. like leave leave but he stays it's like every horror movie like yeah. what's the thing not to do lock yourself in a room right and that's what he does exactly and so the zombie is now in his house and again a horror movie 101 don't hide under the bed that never works out and that's what augie does and he pulls him you know from under the bed but actually pulls him to the backboard and he's gone yeah that was weird yeah also i jumped because i get really like well that and then he's like scraping the floor and so augie is now gone Mm -hmm. and again stella's like you know this is my fault like this oh we gotta get rid of this book and so they go and they try to burn the book obviously it's not gonna work you know (laughs) 
Um, so they're trying to figure out like, what can we do? So they start to research, you know, the Bellows family and actually what happened to Sarah and come to find out that all of her family has a story in this book. Mm -hmm. So we all know now that whatever happened to their family is because of what was written in this book. So I, I kind of loved how they did that. And I, and I think that at this point they mention a couple of the other stories when they're they're going through through it. it. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was just a genius way of them doing it. Yeah. It brought the, it brought the book kind of more into the story of the movie, which is Yeah. And so, but now another story is starting to be written again. And this one is, titled The Red Spot, and it is about Ruth, Chuck's sister. Uh, And this one's gross, so you go (laughs) ahead and describe it in the book. (laughs) So also titled The Red Spot in the book. Um, It's also, the character's name is Ruth in the book as well. Um, So basically, she's sleeping one night, um, and a spider crawls across her face. It stops for several minutes on her left cheek, and then walks off. Isn't that gross to think there's like... Those statistics that say you like swallow like seven spiders. I learned that like not too long ago. And ever since then, I'm like mortified about like sleeping with my mouth open. Well, and also (laughs) I've heard that at any given point, you're no more than six feet away from a spider. Okay. Well, thanks for that information. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, Carrying on. Uh, So yes, the the spider stays on her uh, cheek for a while and then moves on. So the next morning she wakes up and she asks her mom, what's this red spot? And her mom says, oh, it looks like a spider bite. Just don't scratch it. (laughs) Well, the spot grows and turns into a red boil, which is really gross. Um, After a few days, it's grown even bigger and her mom suggests, well, let's go have the doctor look at it. But unfortunately, the doctor can't see them until the next day. Well, that night, Ruth takes a hot bath and the boil bursts. And outpours a swarm of tiny spiders from the eggs their mother had laid in her cheek. Disgusting. <laughs> you hear about stuff like this actually happening. Yeah, like in no, ears and stuff. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's disgusting. But the book, the story in the book, they they don't actually tell you what happens to her at the end, right? Just that it... That, that yeah, that it just bursts. Right. So, <laughs> gross. So, actually very similar what ends up happening mm-hmm. in the movie. They're at the school play that Ruth is in and, you know, she's in front of the mirror and she's trying to like pop it. And I'm like, oh, it just looks like it hurts. Like we all know what trying to pop a pimple feels like. Like, oh, yeah. So gross. And my face just hurts thinking about it. (laughs) And so then it just like as she's sitting there, it's starting to get bigger. And so she goes into the school bathroom and she's again trying to pop it. And then you see this little like leg stick out of it. And oh, my God. Ugh. At first, I thought it was a hair, and I was so like, did my mom. I was like, "That's weird." And then I remembered the story, and I was like, "Oh, yeah." No. I know my mom was like, "Why is there a hair stick?" And I was like, "Oh my god, it's not! It's not a hair! It's not a hair!" And then out popped just thousands and thousands of spiders, and they start attacking her. And at one point, I was like, "Did she just die?" Like, I thought she was dead. Yeah. Nope. They just end up taking her to the nut house after that, which, yeah, take me there too. That's where I would be. Yeah. That was really, really scary. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. About gross. It. But I, I thought that was a good story for them to do in the in the movie because it was so, like, visual and easy for them to do. For sure. I was glad that they picked this one because I like to see it come to life. Yeah. And so, again, they're all like, we got to figure out mm-hmm. what to do how to get rid of this book. So they end up going to visit Lulu, Mm -hmm. who we described earlier. Oh, sorry to stop you there. Uh, It's important to note that in the bathroom, Stella actually sees a shadow in the bathroom, which she 
believes is Sarah. Yes. So yes, I forgot about that. that. <laughs> so now they're going to visit Lulu. And Lulu was a little girl who grew up in the household of the Bellows. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to her to try to figure out, like, what do you know about this book? Like, what do you know about Sarah? Like, how can we help this? And this is funny because when they're when they go to see her, there's a little music box mm-hmm. and the music box is actually singing the, the hearse song that I was talking gotcha. about. So now I, I, was now like, I remember what you're Yeah. So about. I was like another great little Easter egg that yes. they put in there. And also the similar one was in Sarah's room when they went yes. to the haunted house. Yeah. They well. had different initials on the bottom. Yes. So come to find out that her and Sarah were actually probably pretty close right. growing up. And they, you know, they were asking, like, why would Sarah do this? Why would she be doing this? You know, and they come to find out that, you know, they probably really angered Sarah by taking this book, mm-hmm. just taking this from her. And that's why she's doing this. And then come to find out that, you know, they everyone was told that Sarah was hung in the hospital or that she hung herself in the hospital. But Lulu, you know, alludes to the fact that that's not what happened. Right. You know, there was connection. Her family had connections with this hospital. And so they know after visiting Lulu that there's way more to the Bello story than, than they know. So at this point in the movie, they go to new Pinehurst hospital to try to figure out what actually happened. And in one of the reviews, it's so funny. Cause they were like, there's no way these kids can just go in and find these records in this hospital. There's a lot more protocols. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but like in the sixties, who knows? Right, exactly. <laughs> you probably could get away with it. Uh, but they try to get to what is called the red room, which is where all of the record or all everyone's records were held. Yes. And they're trying to stand fig- for records and evaluation department. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so they're trying to figure out exactly what, what was in in Sarah's file to figure out, you know, how they can actually help her mm-hmm. stop doing all of this. So Chuck ends up freaking out about the red when they when he hears the red room because from the beginning of the movie he remembers that as the thing that happened in the in the haunted house. Mm-hmm. And so he freaks out, he goes in the elevator and goes up to the roof where he runs into some orderlies and he they end up chasing him through the hospital. Mm-hmm. But at the same time you know, Stella and Ramon end up finding out that Sarah was actually albino and that she was committed because she was quote unquote different. Her family thought that she was basically a monster because she was albino and that we find out that her brother was actually her doctor and they start listening to old recordings of her from the hospital. Which in the 60s, did they, was there no like families shouldn't be the doctors of other family members? Because I'm pretty sure that's a thing now. <laughs> I'm sure it is, but also probably not in the 60s. And these guys also had a lot of money, I True. think. True. Okay. So, but good point. Uh, but not, not in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they start listening to these recordings and her brother is trying to get her to basically confess that she had killed these kids mm-hmm. and that... They weren't going to let her out unless they, you know, said that she killed these kids and come to find out that it was actually her family was poisoning the water with mercury in the town and because of whatever business that they were doing. And so and she caught on to that. The family didn't didn't want her to go tell everyone. Mm -hmm. So they had her committed for being different and being crazy awful family terrible oh my gosh you think your family's bad i mean i don't think my family's (laughs) bad but holy moly so but at the same time charlie's running around the hospital still 
And, poor Chuck. Uh, poor Chuck. And so Stella and Ramon are, you know, trying to figure this out. You know, they kind of are like, okay, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. But also, like, where is Chuck? Right. We're trying to figure out where he is. So Chuck's story is now starting to be written. And his is based off of the story, um, the dream that's in the books. Yes. So in the story of the dream, there's a character named Lucy Morgan. Um, she's an artist. Uh, she was living in a small town, um, country town painting, but decided that the next day she would move to a village called Kingston. Um, that night, she has a dream that she's waking up in a dark house with a carved staircase and enters a bedroom. The room was pretty ordinary, except for the fact that the carpet had large squares that looked like trap doors, and each window was fastened shut with big nails that stuck out of the wood. Um, in her dream, she went to sleep in the bedroom and then a woman with a pale face and black eyes and black hair comes into the room and whispers this is an evil place flee while you can so the woman touches her arm and um that like kind of jolts lucy to wake up she's trembling the next morning she talks to her landlady and she's like i'm not going to kingston like you know i had this weird dream she's like well how about um going to another town called dorset So she decides, okay, sure. So she goes to Dorset and um, someone tells her, you know, you can find a room in this house at the top of the hill. So she goes to look at the room and um, the landlady kind of takes her around. She comes to a staircase that looks oddly like the one in her dream. Um, The landlady opens the door and the carpet and the windows are the same as in her dream. Uh, The landlady leaves to bring back some tea while Lucy decides whether or not she wants to take the room. Um, She sits on the bed and there's a knock on the door. She thinks, oh, it's probably just the landlady with the tea. Uh, It actually opens and it's the woman in her dream with the pale face and the black hair and eyes. Um, So Lucy grabs her shit and just leaves. (laughs) Like a smart, like a smart woman. Right. Not like poor Augie who decides to stay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So and that's how the story in the book ends. She just flees. So... It's portrayed quite a bit differently <laughs> yes. in, in in the movie. Uh, they keep that main character, the pale-faced woman, like we talked about, mm-hmm. very similar to what the illustration was. You know, Chuck is in the hospital. He's running around, and all of the lights go red. They're flashing. And he starts to see the pale lady coming down the hallway. Mm-hmm. And then he sees her pretty much at every hallway. He can't get away from her. So creepy. And really, there's not much else to it. He ends up basically just being cornered by her, and there's nowhere for him to go. And and she basically just like consumes him. Like, have you ever seen the movie Flubber? Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, when Flubber's like takes on everything, like yeah. that's how I feel that was portrayed. Yeah. Uh, and she's got this yeah. like sweet smile on her face as he, she's like pushing him yeah, into I her body. Yeah, I was like, well, she seems nice and loving. Like, I'm like, I don't know where he went, but that happened. Yeah. Uh, so very different from what was in the, yes. in the book. Extremely so different. I think they just really liked that character and they mm-hmm. felt they needed it in the movie for some reason. Yeah. So it is what it is. So after this scene though, and they can't find Chuck, Stella and Ramon actually end up getting arrested uh, because they were breaking in and getting these records. Uh, Come to find out that Ramon, you know, he was on, we knew that he was kind of on the run from something. Come to find out he's actually a draft dodger. Fun fact, I have a relative who was also a draft dodger who oh. moved to Canada during the time oh. and did not have to go to the draft. So well, that's interesting. You know, I did a whole like report on it in like eighth Where grade. Where in Canada does he live? 
Uh, not sure. I don't even know if he's still alive. Oh, okay. But he <laughs> didn't have to go to war because he left. Good for him. <laughs> Very interesting time, though. Like, yeah. the whole draft process and the birthdays. and yeah. Well, there's, the, I mean, uh, in Iran, where I'm from, dra- you know, going into the military is required. Well, yeah, that's how, like, it is in Korea, right. too. So, um, a lot of kids, you know, their parents basically fled the country so that their kids didn't have to go. Could you imagine, like, there's, if that was in America now? No. Well, I mean, who knows? It's who 2020. Knows? It, could, it could be. It's 2020, guys. <laughs> but so we get that little backstory um, from Ramon that he's a draft dodger and he's wanted. So the police really want to keep him. Uh, so now they are locked in the jail. Of course, it's like an eerie, creepy night. Of course. <laughs> and the book is still with them, I believe, at this. They still have the book at I this point. I think so, yeah. And it's starting to write another story. Oh, the the police chief took the book and yes. it's sitting on his desk. Yes. Yeah. And um, we see another story. And this one is about Ramon. And it's titled, Is it? I think it's titled The Jangly Man. Uh, but also ties in the me tie doty walker story so it, it kind of encompasses encompasses a couple different things yeah. uh but the the story in the book is is titled what do you come for yes <laughs> so yeah so uh, it's what do you come for and in the book it's basically there's an old woman who lives by herself she's very very lonely one night she says she wishes she had some company while well, from the chimney two feet tumble down with rotted flesh then two legs then those legs attached to the feet, then a body, two arms, and a man's head, um, forming the gangling man. Uh, the- is it the gangly man? I've been calling it the yeah. jangly man. No, I think it's I think that's what it is in the movie. <laughs> oh, okay. But I think it's gangly in the book. <laughs> um, so the man dances around and he stops and he looks at the woman, and the woman asks, What do you come for? The man says, what do I come for? I come for you. you. And as you say you, you're supposed to <laughs> stomp your foot and jump at someone nearby. <laughs> Spooky. Spooky. And that's how it happens in the book. Huh. Yeah. So a little differently, we still, we get the random fireplace in the police station. I was like, I don't think police stations have um, fireplaces <laughs> like that. Um, but the head comes out of the fireplace <laughs> And I love this because the, I believe the police officer goes, are you shitting me? And I was like, I just love that. Cause like, that's what everyone would be thinking right. at that very moment. I love that part. Uh, but more body parts start to come out and they turn into a body like it does in the, in the story, in the mm-hmm. book. Uh, and he ends up killing the police officer. Yeah. Um, thank God the dog got away though. Yeah. All we care about is yeah, the dog. The dog is fine. <laughs> um, and then he's trying to get to Ramon, but Ramon is, you know, locked in, in the cell. So it's kind of protecting him. And just the whole movement, like we talked about of him walking backwards. Yeah. And I, I thought it was great. Like that literally gave me nightmares. Yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it was great. And the whole part where he's trying to like push himself through the cell. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, super creepy. Um, but they're able to get the keys from the police officer, the dead police officer, mm-hmm. and unlock themselves. So Stella is trying to run back to the haunted house at this point with the book to try to finish this. Yeah. Uh, while Ramon is trying to basically take the jangly man somewhere else to, so he's not getting, you know, Stella. And he ends up pinning the jangly man against like a semi truck. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's clearly not going to work. This guy like comes apart. Did you ever play with, um, they were like crash, crash dummy dolls no. when you were a kid. We used to have this thing. They're called crash dummy dolls. Mm-hmm. And they, you, like you put them in these little cars and they, you'd 
you know, throw them against the wall and all their body parts would fall off. Oh. I don't know. Weird. What was that supposed to teach you? Uh, well... I think they were based off of like these commercials, like you know, like oh, in, yeah. car, in, t- in car testers. Why would things? that be a child's toy? I don't know, but we had them growing up. I think we even had like uh, like stuffed animal ones too. Weird, very strange, you know. Welcome but that's to- what it reminded you of. Yeah, because he was able to just detach his yeah. bodies and then put it back together. Yeah. So I like that scene. I was like, <laughs> smart man. <laughs> yes. So now we are back at the haunted house, the Bella's house, where you know, the movie basically all starts and stems from. And this whole kind of scene is based off of the haunted house, uh, which is a story in the book as well. Yes. So the story in the book is basically a preacher um, hears about this house that is haunted and he wants to put the haunt that is in this house to rest. So he decides to um, take his Bible and he makes a fire and starts reading his Bible. So right before midnight, he hears something in the cellar walking back and forth, back and forth. It sounds like he was trying to scream and it got choked off, thrashing and struggling, and then it goes quiet. Um, He hears footsteps from the cellar, cellar stairs and the doorknob turns and he jumps and says, what do you want? And the door closes again. Then the steps come back up the stairs. The door opens again, and it looks like a young woman. Um, he says, who are you? What do you want? And the haunt sways and fades out. The preacher closes the door again. He waits in the chair and, again, step, step, step up the cellar stairs. Um, he gets up, and he holds his Bible in front of him, and the door opens. And he says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, who are you and what do you want? And the haunt grabs him by, by his coat, and the flesh is dripping off of her face which Gross. is really disgusting she has no eyeballs and no nose um so the illustration in the book is really yeah, creepy really creepy um so the haunt tells the preacher that her lover had killed her for her money and that she's buried in the cellar um she tells him if you dig up my bones and bury me properly i can finally rest um then he says or then she says to him to take the end joint of the little finger from her left hand and lay it in the collection plate at the next church meeting and he'll be able to find out who murdered her um so and he she also says come back once more after that you'll hear my voice at midnight and i'll tell you where my money is um and you can give it to the church so the preacher finds her bones and he you know buries her into the, in the graveyard to rest he puts the finger bone in the collection plate and a certain man happens to touch it and it sticks to his hand which basically insinuates this is the man that murdered her what um, a great way to find out right but also like <laughs> creepy yeah. um and then so they take that man off to jail and um also i don't think that's gonna hold up in court well maybe not but i mean how, how, how much more damning evidence do you need? I'm this, just saying. If the glove fits. If the glove fits, <laughs> you must acquit. Yes. Um, so after the man was hung for, for murder, uh, the preacher goes back to the house and the voice tells him to dig under the hearth rock and he finds the big stack of money. Weird. At the end, it ends with saying that the imprint of the Hans finger where he grabbed the preacher's coat never came out. So her finger imprint is still i love that coat. story i yeah. thought that was a great story really that actually one. gave me an ending yes, some of these exactly. other ones did not <laughs> yeah so that's uh, what happens in the book <laughs> so kind of similar uh you know this haunted house you know there was you know kind of a mystery of what happened to sarah and it's trying to get you know the truth out of what happened mm-hmm. and so it's it's a little similar obviously kind of a different storyline though uh so they're back at the at the haunted house now and they're trying to tell her that they, Sarah, we believe you. We know that you didn't kill these kids. We, we just want to help you, like help us tell your story. And so basically Stella is transported 
into like Sarah's body when she when she used to live there. Yeah. So you're seeing Stella is seeing what Sarah saw, and it took me a minute to figure out what was happening. <laughs> uh, but so we see her family and they're interacting mm. with her as she is Sarah, and at the same time, it's it's a little bit of like the um, the upside down in. Uh, in Stranger, Stranger Things, things. Yeah. yeah, you have like Ramon, who's in like the abandoned haunted house, fighting the jangly man because yes. he's now at the haunted house, <laughs> and then you have Sarah, you know, in the same, just in a different universe, but in the same yeah, it was time. Very cool. it, was, it was very cool how they did it. So at this point, though, we know that you know Sarah was being held by her family in this you know awful spot because they didn't want her to tell the town what the horrible right. things that they were doing. So now Stella is like, okay, I didn't know that part, but now, now I really know what happened. Right. And so she's back in the room where they held Sarah and we see Sarah for the first time. And it is creepy. Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, that is scary. And you know, she basically calls Sarah out, you know, Stella calls Sarah out on her BS. She's like, you are now the monster they said you were. Right. Like, you were not a monster. They said you were one. And now you are because you're yeah. killing all these people by you telling these stories. Right. You know, and then, you know, Sarah's like, you know what? You write. You write. <laughs> you write, you write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so basically Sarah's like, I will, or Stella goes, I will tell your story. Let me go stop killing my friends and I will tell your story. And Sarah actually ends up, you know, giving her pen to Stella and, and she's like, use your blood. And I'm like, no, thanks. I got ink. Like, ew, no, but you know, Stella maybe, does. maybe it needed to be her blood for it to work. I mean, sure. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, Stella writes down the story of Sarah and her family and Sarah ends up leaving. She's finally at rest and, you know, and then everything kind of turns back to normal. Uh, the jangly man's gone. Yep. He, you know, Ramon is saved. Yep. Worked out for him. Those poor kids are still nowhere to be yeah, found. Yeah, we still don't know where her friends are at this point. Um, Stella ends up actually publishing the story. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I liked how they did. They're like, some people believed what she wrote and some people thought mm-hmm. it was, you know, garbage. Right. Um, but at least she, she told her story. And, you know, the interesting part at the beginning of the movie, Stella wants to be a writer. Right. But she's too afraid to tell her stories. So I thought that was a nice round, rounded way to end the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the funny part that I thought happened is we now see Ramon actually going off to war. And it's very apparent that him and Stella have this, like, kind of love between yeah. them two and, like, a little relationship. And at the end, he's like, see you around. And I'm like, see you around? <laughs> and Boyfriend's Ray is like, I'm just gonna tell you to see you around. That's how I'm gonna, like, leave you. Hey, but she's gonna write to him every day. She's... It's, I don't think it's gonna work out. I mean, I hope... He's in the second movie, so... We'll see, I guess. We'll see. Uh, but the movie ends up... Uh, it shows Stella kind of leaving, and she was trying... She's gonna go try and figure out what happened to her friends, Augie and Chuck, and... Ruth is there. They broke Ruth out of the nut job, nut, nut house, and uh, she's going to help them somehow. Yeah, she looks pretty good. Yeah, she's looking healthy and less spidery. Uh, but that's how the that's how the movie ended. Um, you know, when we're talking about did the movie stay true to the book, it's, it's a hard question to ask. Yes. So I guess what are your initial thoughts on that? Um, I, I really, yeah, I mean, for the most part, a few of the stories did kind of stick to to the script. I get why some of them had to change because they needed to incorporate them with the characters that they had running. Uh, I am curious, like, 
how and why they chose like to tell the story in this way right um especially with kids because i get that it's for kids but whatever um but i think yeah it's hard to say yes it's stay true to the book because it's it, it's hard. <laughs> I'm interested on the second one, how they end up doing it. Uh, if they try to, how they incorporate the stories into the next one right. as well. Cause I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be quite difficult to kind of go along with the way they did it, did this one. Yeah. Um, I but, wonder if they're going to, they're going to pick any stories from book two since they didn't this time. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I didn't read anything from book two cause I only bought <laughs> one and three. Uh, but shout out to the girl who did the blog, who, you know, it basically told me what stories I yeah. needed to, <laughs> to read. You're the real MVP. Yeah, you're the real MVP, girl. But yeah, I, I, I liked how they did it. Did it stay true to the book? Like, I can't say yes, but yeah. I can't say no. Yeah. Like, you know, and I also think there's a little bit of just like the generation gaps with it. What scares kids now is not what scared kids when these books came out. True. I can tell you, a boyfriend raise daughter Aaliyah it's hard to scare her with anything and I'm like I, reality reality is what scares reality children these days the wi-fi going out is what scares Correct. her the most getting your phone taken away is what scares yes them. no Fortnite. sorry oh god nightmares but yeah so but I fully enjoyed it so uh but if you had to buy the books or watch the movie or buy the movie what would you what again would you it's tough um but i i personally really liked the movie yeah. i thought for what it was like they did a very very good job so i think i'm gonna have to go with the movie i i have to do i know i've been like <laughs> i've been on a movie train here but i just i i was entertained from the beginning to the end but i do think that the nostalgia of these stories a lot of people grew up with these stories yeah. and if you didn't have that background of it you were kind of probably left a little wanting more but i'm ready for the second one i'm very interested on how how they're gonna do it so i'm yeah, excited i am too all right that's it for this one make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at the booby girls you can also email us at the at gmail.com and like we said earlier we are officially on patreon so we have a couple of different levels for you. Our first one is the rom-com level, which is $2 level. Um, you get all of our episodes uh, at least 24 hours in advance and you get access to our Karen reviews. And you're really going to be supporting, you know, the Karens of the world. You'll be supporting them, but also really supporting uh, my emergency runs to Barnes and Noble yeah. <laughs> the night before we we're recording. Yeah, because apparently we need different books for different things and we won't know until the last second. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we also have our drama level, which is our $3 level. You basically get what I already mentioned. You also get a sticker for joining. You get a- The quick... stickers are really cute. Very We just cute. got them I in. love them. Um, you also get a shout out in one of our episodes and then you get access to our after credits party episodes which are bi-weekly um i've told boyfriend ray that he's not going to get any more shout outs until he subscribes to patreon except you've literally shouted him out like five times well, i know he's frees are his freebies are up oh, okay <laughs> he, needs, he now needs to subscribe to patreon <laughs> all right so in order to subscribe all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash the booby girls so we are finally to our last booby of halloween season i'm ready you've made it <laughs> Uh, we are doing Interview with the Vampire. Uh, it's a classic book uh, and it's a classic movie. I mean, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. I'm excited for you to watch it. Yes. Not a shocker that I haven't seen this movie. I mean, Brad Pitt, though, <laughs> as a as a dashing vampire. It's like it's like evil and good because I can't stand Tom Cruise, but I really like Brad Pitt. So. Uh, there's also another actor in this movie. I'm not going to spoil it okay. that I cannot stand. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. Bye.